0: Hello, 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 everybody. Um, My name is Mike Mills and I am a mortgage maker here in DFW, and my team and I focus on helping local agents grow their business by providing insights into all aspects of real estate, We can show you how to better market yourself provide referrals to great real estate related vendors in the area that will take amazing care of your clients and provide some simple tips and tricks to streamline your business so you can help more buyers and sellers so if you would like to have a conversation about your business or want any help uh, please do not hesitate to reach out and of course if you have any buyers needing to get pre-approved to purchase a home we would love to take care of them as well all right there's my uh daily commercial so today um, is a very uh, special episode of the texas real estate and finance podcast um not only because it is uh number 40 so it's a little bit of a milestone but um i figured for this very special valentine's day um i would bring in my favorite realtor valentine um my beautiful intelligent and feisty fireball of a wife uh susan mills <laughs> I have got a little, a little, uh, that was my, um, my, uh, production value for you right there. So there's how it goes. So how you doing today, my love? Wonderful. Are you, uh, are you excited to be here or how you feeling about doing this whole thing with me today?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, it, it kind of stinks because you have like a ton of experience and I'm a little nervous and feeling a little dorky, but it's going to be fine.
0: So why don't you tell everybody about your sweater there? Um, so, so they know how good of a job I did today.
1: Uh, I bought myself my Valentine's Day gift, which was my sweater and my earrings, so I would be dressed appropriately right. for Valentine's Day. Right. And then, but although you did come in, you know, there with my favorite thing in the world. Which is food. Food. Yes. Well, champagne and snacks.
0: Champagne and snacks. The idea was, is if I can get you a little liquored up before we do this thing, we'll, uh, we'll have a little bit better chit-chat, I guess, because, uh, you know, I don't know if many people realize, but we don't really talk very much.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's kind of surprising because you talk a lot. And I do feel like I'm a decent communicator, mm-hmm. but we don't communicate at all during the day. No. Like if I call, you will immediately answer or call me immediately back because that means that there's something of urgent importance uh-huh. or a, an emergency or something big. Right. Because yeah, we don't talk. Somebody will be like, oh, the other day they were like, um, you know, I, I don't know if Mike told you this, but we talked and I was like, no, he didn't tell me because we, we don't talk. We don't text at all through the day. Now we do download like at the in the evening time with the highlights. But yeah, yes. no, we, we really don't talk yes. very much.
0: Yes. No, there's not a lot of communication that happens during the day. It does happen at night, but during the day, um, we're usually busy doing our own things. Um, I'm doing stuff like this and you are out uh, trying to sell some houses and uh, taking care of our house in particular. So that's great. So Christy says, hello. Hey, mama all right so um i'm curious what are your thoughts on uh this is valentine's day uh, which is why we're doing this but um you're a woman and valentine's day is a holiday that uh, i tend to think is geared more towards the ladies so what are your personal opinions on valentine's day yourself
1: i mean i guess personally i i mean we've been together married 19 years next month together for 22 or 23. Uh i mean I'm fortunate because I have a great husband and you love me and show me that you love me throughout the year. I don't need like that one day where you're like, oh, I feel like you're cool. And then the other 364 days, you're a jerk. Um, But I do think it's fun to get gifts for the kids and to kind of celebrate together. But overall, I mean, I don't think it has a lot of importance, importance. I think at the beginning of our marriage or the beginning of our dating, it was important to me, but not anymore.
0: Yeah. You're not putting balloons on my car anymore.
1: Oh my god! Uh, no. <laughs> you want to tell that story? Well, I mean, it's weird because I feel like people tend to show their show love and their mm-hmm. love language until you really get to know somebody, right? And um, I think my love language is acts of service for sure. Like I appreciate when you get me coffee in the morning and do nice <laughs> things, you know, throughout the day. But um, when were we like our very first? was it valentine's day i can't even remember this it, was a long I don't know, time it might ago. have been my
0: birthday i don't recall i don't <laughs> know
1: but i got balloons and put them on your car and you were not super happy
0: <laughs> it was at work you put them on my car at work yeah that was cute right and i was like a 20 year old guy and i walk outside and i've got balloons on my car i wasn't mad i was just like you know it's not really my jam so uh yeah. it wasn't really my thing but that's okay i mean you do things differently but that what makes this work so well because we're very different people so um it tends to balance itself out um All right. So today uh, we're going to chat a little bit about us, kind of give a little backstory as to how the Mills family kind of came about. Um, We also are going to talk a little bit about uh, we did a renovation show recently um, on uh, the Magnolia Network uh, that we had broadcast a couple months back. And so we're going to chat just a little bit about that. Um, And then we're also going to go into um, some stuff that's a little bit more in your expertise realm, which is, um, you know, one of the things that you, uh, of your many, many talents that you have, uh, one of those particularly is obviously selling and helping people buy real estate, but, um, you love to buy things, uh, or shop or whatever. <laughs> I know it's a cliche. It's a, it's a female cliche that we're all really good at shop or that you're all really good at shopping. However, this is something that you actually do. on I a,
1: am really good at it. Yes, that's why I do it all the time.
0: Yeah. On, on quite the regular basis. Um, always telling me about, uh, you know, all kinds of wonderful things that you purchased that we basically, in your opinion, got for free essentially, but whatever. Um, So we're going to go through that a little bit, especially related to real estate in particular. So that way, if you guys are looking to list your house or if you're, if you just bought a home and you want to spruce it up a little bit, um, she does have some ninja shopping tricks that she could probably help you out with a little bit. So that'll be good um but before we get into all of that um why don't you i I would like to hear you tell the story of um how we met and then also uh what you did before real estate and then kind of how you got into real estate uh today
1: yeah okay so um first of all i kind of credit the fact that we're together with Lindsay rainey so Lindsay is one of my best childhood friends from the beginning of time and her sister worked, Jennifer worked at Outback Steakhouse. And um, we were college roommates. So we were besties all through high school and then college roommates. And she was like, hey, I want to start waiting tables. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it. And um, so we both got a job at Outback Steakhouse. Mm -hmm. And I was in the Houston market, which is where I was, where I grew up. And you started waiting tables at Outback in Lubbock when you were at Tech Mm -hmm. and just kismet- God's timing. We ended up in Arlington at the same time. And it was crazy because there was an, uh, all the, the Arlington natives, there was one by the park small and one over like North Collins. And I had interviewed at both and got the opportunity to, to choose and ended up going with the park small. And that's where you were. Yes. So you were the cutest bartender that I had ever seen. Of
0: course. Of course.
1: And I had been waiting tables. Yeah. And that's how we met. And we didn't like each other at
0: first. What, what do you mean? Well, I liked you a lot. You didn't like me? Why didn't you like me?
1: I mean, you're kind of a lot.
0: (laughs) I'm kind of a lot. Okay, okay.
1: Um, What did
0: you – why didn't you like me?
1: Well, I mean, not that I didn't like you, but – well, I had that boyfriend too. Yes, I I recall that quite well, yes. Uh So I guess we just were kind of like in a friend. The 50-year-old
0: guy, that guy? We
1: were (laughs) – we were we were in the in the friend in the friend group uh-huh. friend zone, and then yeah, so that's how we met. Waiting tables, bartending.
0: Yeah, but would you like to elaborate on the how we initially started dating? Because um, if you remember, I wanted to go out with you, and you did not want to go out with me at the time because you were dating that other dude.
1: Oh yeah, because I was dating him.
0: And then what changed your mind?
1: Oh god, <laughs> because you started dating that girl. Made me mad. Made me jealous, actually. And so yeah, so that when you kind of lost interest, I was like, I don't think so. Yes.
0: So that's the tip is, uh, you know, make sure, uh, if you want to chase somebody down, just pretend like you don't give a damn about them for a short amount of time. And then they come crawling back pretty quickly. At least. I don't
1: know if was crawling back necessarily, but yeah, that's, 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 that's how
0: I like to remember it. That's so kind I, of what I prefer to go from there. So, okay. yep. all right. So then, uh, we, uh, we start dating and, um, so what happens from there?
1: Yeah, so, well, we ended up uh, dating through college, got married shortly after, or right before you graduated from school. Mm -hmm. I'm a year behind you.
0: What year did we meet? 2000? Is that right? Yes. And we started dating in 01, probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And then married in 2004. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So,
1: yeah. So, we married and worked together then. We kind of work, now we kind of, we don't work together, but we work in the same industry. We certainly worked together. Yes, back back then
0: yes back because the we were day. both waiting tables and bartending at the time and yeah. working at the restaurant together so um we definitely uh enjoyed that lifestyle partied a lot um went out to the bars hung out you know hang, hung out with friends did all that kind of fun stuff went to the club um and enjoyed ourselves there as well uh and then you uh ended up getting a big girl job what's up conrad conrad's checking in with us today hey cj um You ended up, uh, I want you to tell a story about graduating from college and getting your first job and what that was like.
1: That was not ideal. Okay. Okay. So what hit the table less? Yeah. (laughs) Well, what happened was, um, I graduated school and have, I have a a bachelor of arts and business communication. So kind of just like a general market, not a marketing degree, but just a general communications degree and had been applying everywhere. Of course, out of school. And was having a really hard time finding a job um, that would pay me what I felt what I was worth with zero experience in the (laughs) real world. And I was a Coors Light girl at the time um, because after we left Outback, I ended up working in promotions for the ticket and the radio stations and all of that stuff and um, didn't have any real world working experience except for that. Mm -hmm. And um, your sweet mother, who I love, I'm so lucky I have a wonderful Mother in law. Um, she hired me to do HIPAA compliance in her at her job, mm-hmm. and um, I was working. It was my first forty hour a week job. I had never worked anything like that before. I was working like three to five hours a week. Yes, at the other jobs, and I was so excited. It was paid, and first of all, okay, it was like a nice office, and I had like a big girl situation going on, and I was super super excited, and I. Well, you know work 40 hours a week and this was for two weeks so for 80 hours of work i the lady comes around she gives everybody our paychecks
0: uh, what were you making at the time
1: oh man i don't know like 11 dollars an hour maybe okay. was or, it
0: that much that was pretty good yeah at that time.
1: something like that i mean okay. this was i can't remember the year uh 2020 or 2002 maybe okay anyhow i open up my paycheck And I'm looking at it and all of a sudden, like teardrops start rolling (laughs) out of my eyes and they're like dripping on the check. And I'm like, I just worked 80 hours.
0: And how much was it?
1: I can't remember, but I'm, first of all, shout out to my parents. I have the best parents in the entire world on Valentine's day. They have been married for like a jillion years. I've embarrassed myself to say for how long, cause I don't really know. They married in 1974 whatever that math is. Mm-hmm. And, um, they provided so well for me and paid for my college. And I had a really great start and I did have money that they sent and got mailbox money on the reg got i got money i i they um they were awesome anyhow i whatever that check was was less than what my dad sent me for
0: (laughs) for once a week to help you pay your rent for
1: whatever it was yeah what a car and rent and, and all of that so yeah it wasn't ideal
0: and it crushed your soul and then you came home and cried about it because you didn't have a real concept of what work was like you did have quite the charmed life right When you were growing up, you know, your parents took great care of you. You got your college paid for, which was awesome. But you worked really hard and you went to school, got your degree and got out and and got moving. So then Mm -hmm. we go from uh, you're working for my mom, doing all those kind of things. But then you get involved in the golf industry right?
1: Yeah. So I got really, really lucky with that because it, this is kind of one. Is it of,
0: weird that I'm like interviewing you? Is this a strange, strange conversation? That yeah, it I'm is. I'm like asking you about questions that I already know the answer to. It's kind of strange. But
1: yeah, anyway. it is. But here, here's what happened is that we were buying our first car together.
0: Mm-hmm. And before we were married.
1: Yeah. Before. Well, we, yeah. You had
0: good credit. And my credit was terrible.
1: Yeah. Cause my parents helped me so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Yes. Um. So anyway, we had gone to buy a car and, um, I knew that I was looking for something professionally and fashion merchandising and all that kind of cool stuff. Although it had nothing to do with my degree, was something that I was interested in. And the, the wife of our salesman, um, had worked for a company called Talbot's. I don't know if many people know what that is. That's is this still of, around? I don't even, I honestly, I don't really even know. Okay. Um, anyway, fast forward. Well, I kind of lost my train of thought because I was we were getting a job. I w- I got a job with Talbots. Right. And um that was a wonderful job. That company was women women operated. I don't know if they were necessarily women owned, but they were so good to their employees. We got a lot of PTO time and any anyhow it was a really good company to work for, but one of the um the ladies that worked there came only to work once a month, so that she could get her discount
0: discount at the store, yes. at the store, yeah,
1: and because she had kind of like the fancy country club life, and kind of her children were a little bit older and wanted something to do, and it turns out that her husband was um, one of the uh, club managers and regional managers of a company called Club Corp, which is one of the largest private club companies in the world. Uh, they do they're in the golf and country club. And, um, she just took a lot of personal, her name was Robin Zolick. I still love her. Um, her husband, Mickey, um, unfortunately passed away many years ago, but was super, super impactful in my life. Um, because he was one of her, Robin and Mickey both were one of the people that took the time to be like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? Where do you see yourself going? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't really know. I don't know what career that is, but what I want to do is I want to, I want to be a positive influence or benefit people in their life whatever that looks like and so we fast forward to the to them uh giving me the opportunity to work as the member relations director at one of the country clubs in the dallas fort worth market and that parlay Was that las
0: colinas was that the first one
1: that was hackberry Hack, oh that's
0: right hackberry. yeah that was
1: hackberry and then ended up uh selling private events selling getting i'm actually a certified wedding planner i don't know if a lot of people know that um that was a little blip in time where the economy started to really um, dip down in 2007, 2008, 2009. And my sales job required me to take on an additional role in event planning and and wedding planning. So I ended up getting certified to do that. And that was a blast. Uh, Membership sales ended up meeting some of my favorite people in the world um, through that business. So um, I, I would say that for the vast majority of my adult career, It was in sales in one form or fashion.
0: Well, yeah. And that's when you were my sugar mama, because uh, at that point uh, I was, uh, I think I was running a restaurant or that might've been then, or maybe I was working at the swim school. I don't know. But uh, Conrad wants to know if you want a job at his uh, new venue, but uh,
1: (laughs) yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) But, um, but yes, you were, you were the breadwinner of the household at that time um, for a good number of years, actually, because. I was a merchandise buyer at Radio Shack for a little bit, um, and then I got the started doing the restaurant thing, which was wonderful for all of us. Um, <laughs> one of your favorite times in history. Good times. Good times. Yes, good times had by all then. Um, and then, so, so yes, it was the fact that you were out there, um, you know, slogging away, especially because you had to work a lot of weekends, um, when you were doing the wedding stuff, like you were always out there Saturdays and Sundays, cause that's when all the weddings took place. So even when the kids came along, um, you know, there was a lot of weekends that you had to be out, you know, doing your thing. Right.
1: Yeah. That, I think that was really the the hard part because when we were just a married couple, you know, we made our own schedule. It, schedules and everything. And and in that particular business, um, you were primarily off Sunday, Monday, worked Saturdays, even in membership sales and event sales, whatever the capacity was because the club was traditionally closed to members on Monday. That's where we held a lot of our, uh, golf outings and things like that. Um, and the, the, the point in time for me that I realized that I was not going to be forever for the hospitality business, although I very much loved it. Um, was my very first mother's day yeah and we had this huge brunch at the club and all of the the sales staff were there and i was leaving my tiny infant daughter on my first mother's day and was like well
0: yeah, yeah. I, I not, you were too you were too happy with me at that point either <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's not gonna work and um, so yeah and, and, and I got the benefit I worked for that company for 11 years and it was a wonderful experience for me I had the benefit of working for some amazing bosses and met some amazing people learned a lot worked really really hard um, got some training real world training and, and sales and dealing with you know people in different circumstances and and things like that.
0: Well, that's where you kind of cut your teeth on sales because you, we obviously, when you work in the restaurant uh, industry, you're talking in front facing to people all the time. So you learn how to deal with all kinds of different folks and whatever. So that certainly helps. But then going into the club business and dealing with a different level of clientele, that kind of uh, was a little bit of a spark to kind of help you get into real estate, only in that you learned a lot of things about dealing with people. And especially, you know, you sell a lot of higher end homes. So dealing with that level of clientele and how that all works, you got a lot of experience that. With that too.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, the na- the the natural course of that business is to start out at the kind of starter, beginner, entry level clubs, mm-hmm. and then work your way up to the higher luxury end. And so that did give me the opportunity to interface with really successful people to kind of um, emulate how they behaved, and I would see them as they were entertaining their clients, and kind of started to just get a better, you know, view of. What the opportunities were and how to interact with people and and all sorts of different walks of life too because yeah i mean we did have some ultra successful um clients and business owners that we knew and i and i wanted to aspire to their success but also in the hospitality business i mean there's a lot of stuff that works underground a lot of you know people that are not making a lot of money um, to operate the facilities and, um, you know, the banquet servers and, and all of that, and to, to really get to know them and their families and, you know, to see how hard they work to, to, you know, provide right. a lifestyle for their family. I mean, it just was all together, a really wonderful experience, learned a lot about working with people of all walks of life.
0: So how did, uh, how did we transition for, cause you're going to have to tell me, cause I don't remember. <laughs> how did we, how did we go from doing that and then getting into, into selling homes, and being a realtor?
1: Yeah. So that kind of, um, the situation, well, I'll tell you what happened and I probably wouldn't share the story except that I'm talking to you, my husband, but, um, our daughter, uh, Katie Jane, she got stung by a bee Uh and we, I was working at a club that was about an hour from home on a good day with no traffic. And the school nurse called and said, Hey, Katie got stung by a bee and I don't think it's a 911 emergency situation, but she needs medical attention right, right now. Mm-hmm. What do we do? And I couldn't get to our child. Right. Thank God. Shout out to the real MVP, Kathy and Dennis. Um, they, my parents live close to us and live close to the school and they scooped her up and were able to take care of her until we could get there. But that, that particular, I know that seems really small and focused, but that was the, the the main impetus of me saying, you know what, I just need to be more available for our family. And I, I love what I do and I'm fortunate for, you know, being able to provide a good life for our family, but I need to be more available for them. And there was a job opportunity that ended up working out at a club that is in our hometown that, I mean, it's a wonderful club and there's wonderful members there and, and everything, but it, but, uh, I don't want to say caliber of club-wise, but honestly, I mean, you know, I went to a much more- Well, you more, were in South
0: Lake at Timuron and then- Yeah, you know, and then transitioned to, to, to one
1: that is, yep. you know, closer to home. And that was my first step to say, okay, well, if I can just not commute, if right. I could just not commute and can be there and can run and pick the kids up for 30 minutes, drop them off at home, get back to work, that'll be the solution. Right. And it wasn't the solution because what happened was, is even though I wasn't commuting and I was close to home and close to the kids then soccer games started popping up because remember I was working Tuesday through Saturday and then started missing all the soccer games and all the t-ball games. And, um, that wasn't going to sit right (laughs) because I wasn't going to miss anything. It is, it doesn't matter what it is. I didn't want to miss it. Yes. And, um, we, we happened to be in a fortunate situation because you started working in the mortgage business. The restaurant thing was
0: in the rearview mirror. mirror.
1: And, um, with the kids both going into school full time, we had a wonderful nanny, several great nannies actually that helped us because I was busy in my career and you were, you know, trying to, to grow the restaurant business that we needed help outside of the home. And with both kids being full time, and we didn't have the expense of, of the extra childcare, that really was the opportunity where I was able to resign from the club business, go ahead and get my real estate license, which I did in six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, because I procrastinated and procrastinated and procrastinated. And so really Troy going into kindergarten was the start of me getting my real estate license.
0: Yes. And then um so so tell me or tell everybody about where you started with that, who you worked for, and then where you're at now and um, you know, as far as selling real estate, what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So um, I ended up working for Remax right out of the gate, um, through Mike in your business with, uh, the mortgage company ended up meeting a lot of people and, um, ended up going as an independent agent at first. And that's a really hard, that's, I have a lot to say about real estate and maybe we can download another time about people coming in in the business and, and getting started, but I do I don't think that people realize that you get your license and you don't know anything about real estate. Like you may know how many people sit on the board and the Texas legislature about this and that. They come
0: in, in the class. That's what they teach you in oh, the class. Oh
1: my gosh. But yes. in terms of actually, well, let me digress for just one, one quick second. Okay. I remember sitting in your office at the REMAX office and I was filling out my very first um
0: by the way, you went to work for Conrad's team who, who... Okay,
1: well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold okay, on. Okay, all right. I'm I'm getting there. I'm I'm getting there. So I'm I'm in your office. I'm trying to write my very first contract. I have no idea how to do that. Uh-huh. No idea how to do that. Right. And I'm downloading the PDF from the Texas Real Estate Commission's website and I'm trying <laughs> to like fill it out. And it's it's absolutely a disaster. And it, at that point in time, I realized that being a brand new agent on your own as an independent agent is really tough. I'm not saying that you can't do it. What I'm saying is, is that if you're lucky like me and had the opportunity to work for a team, uh, the DeVries team, David DeVries, Conrad Jackson, two of my very dear friends, taught me how to realtor. Because you don't know. You really, really don't know. And it's not just about, hey, I have this question about this particular transaction. It's about surrounding yourself with people. And just in the peripheral of what's happening in the business, you're hearing what they're saying. You're hearing how they respond to client questions. You're hearing about what um, is going on in the market. You're just absorbing kind of what is transpiring. And that's really how you learn in the business. Because, man, like I said, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't do it. I just, I didn't, I wasn't equipped to go in and be a competent real estate agent without having people to surround me and to support me, and and that's what the real estate team, the the, the team, did for me.
0: Yeah, well, it's hard nowadays too, especially because there's you know not many people going to the office anymore after COVID. So it's you know everybody kind of stays and works from home. So as a new agent, you don't get a lot of exposure to being around other agents that you know pick up, like you said, little little tips and tricks, little things that they do here and there, how they interact with their clients, how they handle phone calls, how they deal with all that. You miss that piece unless you. Purposefully go out and try to get it because you just, because you're not around everybody all the time, because it is so segmented now because we stay home, you don't get the same experiences, right?
1: No, absolutely. And so, how that had helped me and grew my business. And then all of a sudden, I started to be able to answer questions without having to call Conrad 487 questions a day. He's probably like, Did she die? Like, I haven't heard from her today. Like, what's happening? And then I started being able to do it on my own. And the, the benefit of the team is that you learn. Mm-hmm. The the downfall of the team is that you're branded as the team leader. Right. And at some point in time, I feel like, and it's not right for everybody, but I feel like for me as an agent, I wanted to be Susan Mills and I wanted my listings to be represented as that. Right. And so then that was the natural transition once I felt like I was comfortable and capable to really advocate for my clients to move over to be an individual agent and so now i'm at uh, front real estate
0: yes so how did you get or um how do you uh, w- tell me about your experience at front how uh you obviously working with amy and you know the team over there so how was that experience for you
1: yeah so you know it's kind of weird because i actually ended up transitioning in october of 2019 just a few weeks before the entire world changed oh right yeah yeah and so Um, what I really liked about Front and what drove me to Front was that we were kind of on the peripheral of the entertainment district in Arlington. There were several really cute bars and restaurants that were around. And I thought this would be a really good... good way for me to expand my client base. Like, Hey, come meet me for lunch at Cartel Taco, or let's, you know, run over for a glass of wine at Tipsy Oak. Let me know about you. Get me introduced in your social circle, because that's really how you grow your business in real estate is your social circle. You can do all of the Zillow marketing in the world. You can put yourself out there. And I think that, you know, that might work for a a very small percentage of agents, but in, in terms of really getting that referral based business, getting yourself out in the social circle, I think was, is, was important. And so that's, really what drew me to front was just how she's, Amy Cornell, who's our broker, is very, very active in the community, very active in the Arlington Board of Realtors. She's a freaking sharp lady. If you don't know her, um, you know she's impressive and uh, was a mortgage banker at one point in time. So it just has a lot of just general experience. And so it it ended up that being, that was a really good fit for me. Um, Transitioned to the brokerage and then the holidays happened and then the world shut down.
0: Yes. Does, uh, is, uh, does Tammy, is her family, the cartel taco? Cause she's, uh, appreciating her, your shout out. Yeah.
1: Her brother, Tammy, right. Your brother-in-law, I think is the owner of cartel taco, Tammy Lindley. Um, and I worked together for a really, really long time. She's a transaction coordinator. Awesome. Um, I miss you. Uh, awesome lady. And yeah, she's got family connections and, and o- they'd have ownership in cartel taco. I can't remember what that exactly is.
0: So Conrad says he needs more stories about this restaurant business. He feels like there's something we're not saying about it.
1: Conrad, do you want us to get divorced on air? <laughs> Cuz I have a lot to say about it, but none of it's good.
0: Uh, it, no, it's okay. You can yes. tell him your your yeah. your opinion on it. Your opinion on just the the hours and being gone all the time and, you know, that no money and all that kind of fun stuff.
1: It's- Man. Well, first of all, let me tell you what's hard. What's hard is to start making money as a young person and feeling like that money is just there to spend. Right. Um, So I guess a little bit of a rewind. So you ended up in a partnership owning a restaurant and that ended up being a successful venture for us for a period of time. And we were taking trips to Europe and, you know, refurnishing our house. And, you know, I'm not saying that we were living it up big time, but doing things I feel like In retrospect, we're kind of ahead of the curve a little bit, but now frivolous and probably beyond our means as a 43-year-old kind of looking back at the 20. Well, first of all, we bought our first house at 23 and 24 years old. So we started home ownership very early. Um, which I super, super advocate, uh, for yeah, people. the hard part
0: though, is that right now we bought our first house for
1: $130,000, $135,000. We got our down payment from our income tax return and our seller paid a hundred percent of our closing costs. Yes. And That's our rate, I
0: think it was like six and a quarter or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, how many square foot was that house? It
1: was like 1600 square feet. It was kudos over, uh, in like Shorewood, Lake Arlington oh, yeah. for the locals that, you know, it was a nice neighborhood. We were really fortunate to get that house. Um, I don't know like
0: when did that what did that house sell for I think you looked that up recently not too long ago. I mean remember. the
1: value of that house now is probably 3 and a quarter maybe <sighs> something crazy. like that. Yeah. Um so anyway, it you know life changes everything changes but
0: yeah. The restaurant thing was just hard because I was working until two or three o'clock in the morning. And especially once we had, um, the second restaurant, cause we had one to start with and then we went to two and the second one was at a hockey arena and we had games and it was like, you know, I would be there till sometimes four or five o'clock in the morning when I'm getting home, especially after a game, cleaning everything up. So especially when you have two young kids and you were at home by yourself dealing with them, that was hard. Like that was just, that was some hard shit.
1: Yeah, that that really sucked. That was not that was not ideal. Um we made sacrifices hoping because our our hope with that that what well what happened was the first location was successful. Yep. And then the second location opened in January of 2008 when the economy really started tanking and yep. we were robbing Peter to pay Paul, so all the profits from the first location were going to subsidize the marketing and operating expenses for the second location. You were gone. All the time, I was working a full time job, really steering the ship, mm-hmm. and then also doing a hundred percent of the maintenance, almost with the kids while you were gone. It was really, really tough, and we weren't making any money. No, I was like, "Well, this grind is is for the freaking birds." No, so it- something has to change, and it's either you decide what the next career is going to be, or. I don't know what.
0: Yeah, it, it was it was bumpy there for a while. But I mean I think everybody goes through that. I don't think that's anything that's uh you know, any marriage that's lasted for as long as, you know, or, or longer than we have. I, I don't I don't know that there's very few people out there that go through marriage and just everything works out perfectly and we're like happy from day one like we went through some shit. like it was it was rough and it it was financial related it was being at the restaurant all hours of the night and being in that environment you know all of that stuff was related to it and it was hard but you know those kind of things i mean i think we both we both grew from it we both matured a little bit from it because we understood that we could go through some you know Bumpy stuff with the when the kids were little, and still come out the other side, and it, you know, and and now we are where we're at now. But, um, but I mean, every, I think everybody goes through that, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you have to because marriage is work. I mean, I, I know that people come in thinking, oh, well, it's going to be just all sunshine and roses, but. And I really do think that the kind of the distance and the separation and and the whatever that we had during that time where we didn't see each other very much and everybody thought thought that they were carrying the load. You thought that you were, you know, gone all the time trying to support the family carrying 100 percent of the load. And I thought I was home, you know, doing the other stuff, doing 100 percent
0: and still working too, like you were doing both. Yeah, we were struggling and money was always tight and, you know, it wasn't. you know, whenever you put the stress of money, you put the stress of young kids because I think both of our kids were under the age of five at the time.
1: Oh, no, they were they were one and three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they were little you add that to it and it just, uh, you know, it, it makes it hard. But I mean, like I said, I, I think that us going through that and dealing with those times um, Made us closer, you know, after we came out of it and got into a better spot. I, re- I remember when I started getting into the mortgage business. So I, you remember I came home and I was, I had gone to work at Texas Lending and I was like training or whatever. And I showed up there and I was like, Hey, you know, cause I'm, you know, if anybody that knows me, I'm a very optimistic person. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 100%. Yes. I'm very optimistic. I always think things are going to work out great. You're probably a little bit on the other side. Like you're a little more pessimistic or not pessimistic, but just, um, worried you, you you're filled riddled with anxiety. A lot of times. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I stress about things that aren't even on the horizon. <laughs> right. So
0: she's always having dreams of somebody dying. Like we got, we got, you know, some issues there, but yeah. Um, but I remember I came home and I told you I was like, "Hey, I th- I think I really understand this. Like, I think I can really do well at this. I think I can have a good, you know, successful career at this or whatever." And and uh, you were just kind of like rolling your eyes because I I just spent the last six years explaining to you how the more, how the restaurant business was going to work out so
1: well. <laughs> well, I mean, that is not first of all, you know, people think. People forget where you start from yeah. and, and I think what it takes to build a successful business in, in any walk of life. But I think the conversation was is that you had an $11 an hour draw and everything was kill what you eat.
0: Yes. Yes. So it, I'm like,
1: oh, wow, this sounds this sounds great. <laughs> I feel like Taco Bell is paying $14 an hour. So
0: yes, I, you weren't exactly uh, um, it's not like you were discouraging, <laughs> but you also weren't as enthusiastic as I was. Let's certainly say that. Um, it, t- it took a little, it took a little time to get you there. I mean, obviously it worked out and you know, everything's great, but, uh, but at least at the time, especially because money was tight and you know, we were struggling and it was just like, okay, how are we going to make this work? And yeah. And then I come home and tell you about my $11 an hour job, uh, that I'm getting straight commission. on. <laughs> you were not real excited about that prospect either, but, but you know, like I said, it, it ended up working out and, and we got, got to where we are. So, um, now it. I think that, uh, those times as, as hard as they were when we were going through them, I think coming out the other side of it and, um, being where we are today makes us appreciate that. I mean, I learned a ton, you know, as much as, as hard as being that restaurant business was, you know, I joke all the time that to where, that's where I got my MBA, you know, I didn't get my MBA at SMU. I got it at Zuroma. So, um, you know i learned a, a bunch of stuff because i made a ton of mistakes and when you make a bunch of mistakes you get a real quick lesson in what not to do um and so uh and then i also think we we had a greater appreciation for you know how to take care of our our finances and you know to make sure that we were yes. protected for later on down the road because we didn't want to go through that again and i think we were fortunate you know we've both your parents were there. My parents have always been there. So, you know, we've been lucky that we've had people in our lives to support us. So if we ever did run into really, really big problems, we always had and somebody there as a safety net, which most, you know, not everybody has that. So we were very lucky in that regard, but, uh, but it still was hard, you know, it was tough and, and it was stressful and it was, you know, and again, having the two kids and going through all that, you know, it just, uh, it, it put a lot of strain on us.
1: Yeah, it did, but it all ended up working out. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, so there was a little a little glimpse into the Mills' life there, but um so one of the things that we did recently uh that we kind of talked about a little bit and it aired and it took a long time was um we did a show called uh Lakefront Bargain Hunt renovation. Uh this was on the Magnolia Network, um, which used to be DIY, that uh the Texas uh born and bred Miss uh Mr. Chip and Miss Jojo um run that network now. Um so why don't you tell the story about how uh how all of that came about basically
1: yeah so um that was really cool how that had transpired so we had purchased a home in on Lake Whitney which is kind of between the Dallas Fort Worth market and Waco where Chip and Joanna actually are doing their their thing. And we had, I had been contacted by, um, I guess, uh,
0: Show talent scout or scouts yeah. or
1: whatever you wanna call them um, to see if, because I obviously represented Mike in purchasing the home as his real estate agent. So they reached out to me as the realtor and said, hey, would your clients be interested in you know renovating this house and being on our lakefront renovation show and i was like well as it turns out that's actually my family we purchased it as our as a renovation um and it was funny because the house was so ugly i guess they thought wow there's no way these people are going to buy this house and not renovate it yeah it was
0: orange on the inside it was really it was
1: weird. it was a it was like a skittle actually i had like every <laughs> flavor of the rainbow and paint in that house but anyway uh the short story with that is that that particular property was too too far along in the renovation process to actually film. And um, all the while, they had kind of kept in contact with us because they knew that we were looking for another uh, short-term rental property. And when we ended up finding the one at Cedar Creek, which is where the show was filmed, um, we kind of got back into connection. And you go through a, a process of, I guess, casting and and yeah, so that that's kind of how that worked out.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we had to go through. They had to meet with us. We had to tell them kind of our story and where we came from and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then you go through the process of looking for the house, and you know, you look at other places and kind of get yeah, all that.
1: Yeah, you can't tell. You- you well, you first you have to sign. You can't like say anything about it. So we can't like say a whole lot about
0: well, it. Well, I mean, at this point, it's like we want to get into too much detail, but let's not <laughs> I don't think I don't think the DIY police are coming after us. But but basically you look at these different properties and you select one and then once you pick that one, then you go through the renovation process of it, right? Yep. And so um so picking out the house that we ended up ultimately settling with, um, what was the uh, you know, what was it about that particular place that you know drew drew you to it?
1: well first of all I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just tell you just real estate in general is that you need to purchase a home that fits your needs so I know that a lot of people have um you know different thoughts on it but w- what our purpose in buying that property was not for us to family vacation there. Now we do utilize it. We go down there occasionally. We're really not in the season of life to be able to use it as much as we'd like.
0: Yeah. We have kids that have tournaments every single weekend for yeah. the rest of our lives. So yes.
1: But we wanted to use that house as a short-term rental and the lot was big. They had a, a a decent view of the lake and it was affordable enough to renovate it and do what we felt like needed to be done for it to be attractive to have weekenders come in and and rent the house. Right so that that's why uh, also to the the previous homeowner did a really really good she actually was a real estate agent i don't think she carries an active license now but the updates that she had done already were very tasteful and there was a minimal amount of work that we needed to do to the main property the majority of the work that we did was we ended up adding a, a, a like a little casita guest suite and then we built a big dock but in terms of actually the, the primary part of the residence. Not much needed to be done at all. She did a beautiful job with it.
0: So I'm gonna add a little clip, um, so we can get out here. Um, better how you take a look. This is just a little preview of what they did with it. All
1: right, you guys ready to catch some fish? Yeah. I'm Susan, this is my husband, Mike.
0: I'm a mortgage banker and she's a real estate agent. Ooh. The bait.
1: What is that? We live in Mansfield, Texas, with our daughter, Katie Jane, who is 13, and our son, Troy, who is 11.
0: All right, show yeah. us how it's done, dude.
1: Cast Tell it out a little bit, experience. and then make sure to clip this back. That was a lot of information <laughs> to retain. We're out here looking for a lake house in Cedar Creek Lake. Its proximity to Dallas is just, I don't know, an hour and 20 minutes or so. It's got over 320 linear miles of shoreline.
0: There's no lack of lakes around here, so growing up we did wakeboarding, we do fishing. You know, I've been doing it since I was a kid.
1: Nothing like the smell of catfish bait in the morning. One of the reasons why we really love Cedar Creek Lake is that the commute is really easy.
0: We live in Mansfield. It's about an hour and 20 minutes back and forth. So if we can get within an hour, or two hours of where we live, it's kind of like you get a vacation home that kind of pays for itself. We both lead pretty hectic lives back home whenever we get a chance to kind of get away. We really just want to sit down, relax. Fish really have no interest in me. You smell the same.
1: You're so rude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, mommy, hang on. Lele, come on. There's the love of your life. <laughs> actually oh, got it. Yes, There you so, go, so, maybe, baby. The My real estate agent for this uh, wonderful journey is my beautiful bride.
1: Finding properties is kind of obviously my specialty um, in our, obviously.
0: We are constantly kind of on the lookout for possible investments. You know, seeing houses and what they can become and their potential. So it
1: makes a lot of sense to put our investment in something that we know about, and we practice what we preach. <laughs> You're really mad at this dad. I am looking for something that is all in 475000 or below. That would include, of course, the price of the home and then any renovations that we would need to do. Definitely three bedroom, two bath. We've got a ton of animals. They travel with us. So a fenced yard is really, really important. And really, we've got to have a place to entertain. We've got a big family. We host a lot of events. <laughs>
0: The water access is a big player for me personally. It doesn't necessarily have to be on the water, just as long as I could get there easily.
1: That's going to be kind of a hard task. This is a popular lake. There's truly not a lot of inventory available. He's going to need a bath before he gets in the car.
0: (laughs) So. Oh my lele. So um, how would you, how did you feel like going through all that? What was the, what what was the experience like? Would you fund, would you do it again? Like, how did you feel about all that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would a million percent do it again. That was a wonderful experience I have nothing but good things to say about um, everybody that we inter- interacted with, um, with the network and the production company and and the people that were there filming. And, you know, I, I really didn't even know what to expect because we had shown up for the first time at the house. Um, you know, they were in constant communication with what we needed and, and kind of, you know, What the plan was but they come out with two vans of people and i was kind of a little bit blown away by you know how much that they invested in each episode and and all of that i kind of i don't really know what to expect but i didn't think it was going to be an entire production crew and 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 you know set assistants and all of that it was really really fun um to go through i would a million percent do it again
0: did you feel like that uh I mean, what we what we ended up doing with the house. I mean, are you pleased with how it turned out? I mean, do you think that it's 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 exactly what you wanted? Was there something that you would take back on what we did with it that you thought would be better?
1: Um, the only thing that I think that after I don't know, I don't know how many times we're going to over improve a property, but you know, I <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes. We, we definitely like, look, okay. So, <laughs> so full disclosure here. So when we did our first property at Lake Whitney, the intent was we were going to use it as a vacation property ourselves. And then we were going to rent it out when we weren't there. And 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 we did, but then ultimately jump it into this one. But when we were, when you were thinking about living there yourself and going there, then you want all the amenities that you want as a homeowner. So you kind of overdo it a little bit. So it's like, you got to know what your intent with the property is before you go into it i mean we certainly made mistakes i mean there's no doubt about it we spent too much money on both of them um you know hindsight being 2020 you want to go back and make some adjustments but i mean i think they both turned out well but you know we learned a lot about overimprovement in those situations
1: yeah i mean and that's the thing is that you know what i what my vision was is to go in and i wanted to feel like our home away from home was somewhere equally as comfortable right not really thinking okay well people are here to have like a cabin experience right. well particularly that at like Whitney to have a cabin experience and you know just to get away from it all and it really didn't need to be bougie super bougie i mean that that particular house is moderately bougie i feel like the cedar creek house is a little bit more you know has a you know a little bit more of a i don't know it's a neighborhood
0: feel it's not quite yeah. A high, yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah it's more um yeah. It's more neighborhood like a neighborhood or
0: residence where you would live. And yeah
1: I, yeah, I do think that we spent a little bit more than we probably should have. Um, especially too, because we have been to this, I haven't been to, we haven't stayed at Lake Whitney year, since 2021.
0: Yeah. Two years almost.
1: And we haven't stayed at Cedar Creek since April of 2022. Yes. So, so there's
0: a lot of other people enjoying the houses, Yeah. <laughs> but they've been, I mean, they've been decent income generators. We get good yeah. rent from them. You know, uh, the short-term rental thing is uh, we're still learning how to do that a little bit better. So, you know, we're both in the industry, but at the same time, I mean, we're not experts at everything. You know I mean? You, you kind of work your way through, you learn this stuff, you make mistakes, you fall down, you get back up, you know, you try to figure out the best method to, to handle each one of these properties. And it's all a little bit different every time.
1: Well, yeah. And and like I said, I mean, I think the big mistake that that I made particularly was that you need to keep in mind how you're going to be using the property. Right. And for us, we spent a lot of money on building a dock at Cedar Creek for uh, you know, a a boat and jet ski lifts and we bought jet skis and they have never been lifted in that dock. Not even <laughs> once. They haven't even been untrailered on our property. Um, Some because, of that's timing.
0: Some of that's timing. Because
1: we don't go down there and use it. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, if we're going to be building it, we might as well go all out and do it. And that way, when people are there utilizing the property, they can, you bring bring their boat and all of that and really utilize it. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you're occasionally renting a short term rental on a lake, you probably aren't going to, even if you had the boat, I don't know that you would Maybe haul it around. I don't know. It just, I think that um, there are just now that we've learned, if I would have, if we would do it an additional time, there are some things that I, I would really scale back on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which I think, you know, at some point we may end up doing another one again, too, when the whenever the the market picks back up, we're both, uh, you know, we're being both in real estate when things go when things are great, they're great. And when things go down, they go down. Right. So yeah, talk about
1: putting all your eggs in one basket. I don't know that I would necessarily recommend that as much. But, you know, it 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 is good in in a sense and bad in a sense. Yeah, we relate just, to each other a lot
0: yeah it's up and down it just depends on you know on the time and and how it all plays out but you know it's it's good so um all right now uh so the show was fun uh we had a blast doing it uh she would do it again i don't know i'm not sure if i would but you the know the kids
1: certainly wouldn't the
0: kids most certainly would not they didn't like that so but now let's get into um one of your other talents which is why i wanted you here is um you are able to sniff out a bargain and that is one of the things that you revolve around your cats or they revolve
1: freaking cats
0: (laughs) or they revolve around uh three and a half cent soap that you got for or five dollar soap you got for three and a half cents and you bought six thousand of them and now we have soap till the end of time um so Tell me about, what is it about finding a deal that uh, that gives you such, you know, such adrenaline that you're just fired up and ready to go?
1: I don't know that it, it gives me adrenaline necessarily, but I think that, well, first of all, my mom really taught me how to shop. Um, she was... Um, and has always been a really good shopper, has always, you know, taught me how to buy things on sale and things like that and really get your most for the money and and all of that. So I really attribute a lot of my shopping skill and negotiating skill, um, you know, from her. But I, I think, too. I mean, it really just depends because first of all, you know, that was out of necessity when we were, you know, young and, you know, new homeowners and needing to furnish a new home. And, you know, there wasn't marketplace then, but we were going to garage sales and trying to find um, deals to stretch the money as far as we possibly could. And, you know, uh, buying nice things for the kids and all of that. So for, I think that the, the skill of that was out of necessity. And now that things are more comfortable. Yeah. I mean, if I can get a, well, you're, what you're talking about the soap, I mean, you know, the, the semi-annual clearance sale, I mean, I would stock up for the whole year because I know that those are things that we will need throughout the season. So why not, you know, pay $3 versus seven or whatever the, whatever the case may be.
0: So how do you find these things? Like what, what is it that like where are you looking? Where are you where are you where do the deals pop up? Is this stuff that you just see online? Are you specifically? Do you know times of years when things go on sale? Like how does that work?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, there there are seasonal sales. I don't necessarily.
0: I can't believe I'm encouraging your shopping. By the right? way, here we go.
1: <laughs> I don't necessarily follow that, but I, I think in in relation to real estate. You know, what I think that you need to do is to decide on something that you really love, and that's a splurge item. And then I think that there's opportunity to work around how to make renovations or to furnish your home in more of an affordable way. So like, for example, like with our personal home, um, you know, our living room, well, first of all, our house was built in 1978, and it is very typically compartmentalized type of space for for that time frame and we've done some renovations to open it up but our living room is kind of long and narrow and so i needed to have a specific couch that would fit that space to comfortably you know accommodate our family and friends so i did make a splurge i did find something that needed to be made that i felt like was worth the money high quality that would last a long time because you will always get what you pay for unless you find an amazing deal when it comes to that and then what I would do is go to Home Goods or TJ Maxx or Marketplace and then get all of the accessory items for the room. Throw pillows. You know, I'm going to get this couch and then a million other accessory items that I could have found for a, a better price. And honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with time too. Um, I do have the time to go and really think about what I want. What I'll do is I'll, you know, have like kind of a, a, a vision board on Pinterest or something that I've seen on Instagram. Be like, okay, well, I generally like this theme. So then I'll go and try to replicate it over time by finding components that match that vision
0: right so whenever you're out and about that's uh you have especially related to our house you're always looking for well it seems like you're always looking for pillows because we have every pillow known to man but uh but you certainly have a theme and colors that are in mind when you're doing that type of stuff right
1: yeah well when you're on a budget you can't rush design. right Right. (laughs) you just have to be patient and wait and see if you can find what you're looking for right you know.
0: So, so these days, um, the market shifts a little bit more towards buyers. Although lately, you know, we're getting into the spring season. So that's, that's kind of changed. Some the sellers are, um, are, uh, getting multiple offers again. Uh, so oh, the market fun. is adjusting. Yes. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, if you were, um, going to, if you had somebody that came to you and wanted to sell their house and they felt like, You know they needed to spruce it up just a little bit like we got to add some pieces here we got to make it a little bit more attractive to the buyers as they come through what are some things that you would focus on or what would you tell them and to keep the budget you know the the cost relatively low but have the biggest impact
1: Well, what I don't advocate for is people putting a lot of money into their house to sell it. If you wanted to improve the house, you should have done it and enjoyed it while you live there. To improve the house, to sell it, to me, doesn't necessarily make sense, especially because we're in a very transitional market right now. We're not really sure what's going to be happening, you know, next week, what I can tell you is the most impactful thing that you can do is make sure that your home is clean. And I don't mean like make sure that there's no clutter on the cabinets. I need to make sure that if you need to hire somebody to steam clean your carpets, to clean the grout on your tiles, to make sure that you've got a handyman that's come in to make sure that there's no cuts and nicks in the screens and things like that. The general aesthetics of your house um, is Uh, is clean and well cared for is more important than you, you know, having your master bathroom retiled. Another thing that I think is very impactful is making sure that the exterior of your home shows well in the listing photography and their first impressions. So if I'm going to spend money on a house, it's always going to be to clean up the yard, to put fresh mulch down, to just get a couple of nice pots with seasonal flowers so that it's warm and welcoming and it feels well-kept. Because I'm telling you that if you walk in and it smells like dog... That's gonna be a
0: problem. Right, so you think it's, it, it, I guess the the impression somebody walks in, it's they're, they're seeing the big stuff, right? The, like you were talking about the mulch in the yard and that kind of thing, and then they're noticing that the house is clean, but they're not necessarily noticing little things per se, right, it, it's more big things, right?
1: Yeah, well, here's the deal. When we bought our very first house, and we had seen a lot, because when we purchased our home, it was very much a buyer's market, yeah. and we had the opportunity to, to have a lot of inventory to choose from. And the reason that we ultimately chose our house was because it was so well-maintained. Listen, it had builder's grade carpet throughout. It had hunter green laminate countertops. Um, It had builder's grade everything.
0: Yeah. Laminate flooring or linoleum, linoleum. floors. Yeah, yeah. Do they even have linoleum anymore?
1: I haven't <laughs> seen linoleum in, in a minute. Yeah. Um. But what I'm saying is, is that when I walked in, I thought, okay, well, eventually we'll have the money to put in granite. Right. Eventually we'll tear out this carpet and do, you know, the laminate floors. Right. Eventually we'll be able to upgrade this. But right now it's a clean, comfortable, safe place for our family. And that for Representing first-time buyers that are in, you know, the market for that. Now, once you start getting to the, you know, the secondary or tertiary home or right. whatever. I mean, you. Some of the expectation is is that it's it's done. But just generally speaking, that's yeah. And we it. did all
0: those things, and then we promptly sold the house right after that, which was awesome.
1: That's kind of the theme.
0: <laughs> Every time we tend to do renovations on a house, we turn around and sell it, except for the one that we're in now, thank God. But um, all right, so when somebody buys a house then, right? You're a new home buyer, you got your home, and let's just say that, you know, you've got a say a 5000 dollars budget. Okay. Now, obviously personal preference plays a role on what you want in your house or whatever. But what it, in, in your experience, what would you suggest as far as if you're gonna, if you have that money, what's gonna have the biggest impact that you're going to be able to enjoy that's gonna give you even a little bit of I don't want to say resale value because you know you're not if you just bought your house you're not looking to sell it immediately but certainly something that is going to be a little bit more long lasting like w- what do you think the money is best spent on
1: Well I mean I kind of think it depends on on the age of the house um you know I would say that if it's an if it's an older house paint and texture is the number one thing um updating like if you've got popcorn ceilings and you know uh all sorts of weird paneling working definitely paint and texture is the biggest cost bang for your buck there is.
0: So we've bought a lot of paint over the years. Mm. I know specifically because I've painted a lot of rooms. So what is your, uh, where, where do you go get paint? Where do you, where do you think that who has the best paint? What has the best quality? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, I'm a Sherman Williams girl. I kind of feel like that, like people have like different brands of things that they're, you know, I'm a Ford man or I'm a truck man. I'm Sherwin Williams all the way die hard to the grave. Um, that, that to me has the, the most versatile, uh, paint palette. And, um, although you can get it at Sherwin-Williams, you know, you can get, uh, there's a, another hardware store Lowe's has a Sherwin-Williams, uh, line that can replicate it.
0: So, okay. so paint, get the ceiling, untextured popcorn mm-hmm. ceilings. Nobody yeah. likes those, I guess. Are those ever going to come back? I feel like they're, they're
1: gonna never going to come back. God willing <laughs> in the Creek don't rise dear God please don't put popcorn on the ceiling now that really was out of convenience because that was the easiest way to 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 cover um crappy ceiling jobs honestly so okay. now I feel like we hold everything to a higher standard and and things like that so um yeah hopefully that that won't come back just out of convenience for the builders but assuming that your house is already painted um, the next thing that I would hit up would be floors okay um I think obviously you know allergies and maintenance and things like that having a hard surface floor is far more popular than um you know a carpeting carpeted floor and also too one thing that's really really distracting to buyers is having mismatched flooring so every room in the house is a different pattern or you know this needed to be done and so we only have the means to do that if you can get one cohesive, unified flooring pattern through, throughout the house. I know if you're saying $5,000, I guess it depends on-
0: The size of the house. The yeah. size of
1: the house. And if or you're you able do a to do at a time, some yeah. labor yourself or, right. or whatever that is. But I would say having a cohesive look when it comes to the flooring would be my next. And then the third thing would be kitchen. And I know that that's kind of an expensive upgrade, but what I would consider is the things that you actually utilize for functionality. So if you've got laminate, countertops and old 1980 appliances, go for the appliances. Because the beautiful thing about social media is that there are thousands of accounts that will teach you how to faux finish or to epoxy or to cement or or whatever. You don't necessarily have to pay for somebody to have high-end finishes in your home if that's not something that's in the budget. Or if you just need to band-aid something temporarily, um, if you're going to If you're going to do the kitchen, I would function on or focus on functionality and then aesthetic secondary.
0: Yeah. I feel like you've brought a lot of science experiments home between everything that you've spray painted, everything that you've textured, you've recovered things like.
1: (laughs) Well, it makes me mad because they're like, oh, what's your hobby? Golf, tennis, fishing. And I'm like, why is spray paint not a hobby? That's literally my favorite thing in the entire world to do. (laughs) spray paint
0: you spray painted our bathroom because that's the one room in the house we haven't done yet in a long or at all as far as renovation goes because nobody else sees it um and and our bathroom was one of your first experiments in that house was spray painting at least but yes you do spray paint
1: i almost died three times from spray paint chemicals but it's fine it's fine (laughs) Looks great.
0: Yes, of course. Um, so when you're looking for deals on stuff or when you're shopping for even large items like appliances or anything like where are your go-tos that you're trying to get, you know, that's going to have the best deals that necessarily isn't stuff that's out of style or out of stock or where, where are you finding that kind of stuff?
1: Warehouse scratch and dent. Okay. All the way. Um, one thing that I, I, I do try to hang up on is to have the same brand in a kitchen. You know, if you can get, you know, the same washer or uh, dishwasher and, you know, range and, and ovens to match. I feel like that is the best bet. Um, but listen, if you can save $1,000, you know, or you know, 60% on a refrigerator that has a dent on the side that your cabinet's on, why would you, Why would you You know, waste money otherwise, if, if it's tied in the budget? Now, you know, I think I'm kind of moving more towards when we were renovating the lake houses and rental properties and things like that. Um, I feel like, you know, if, if your house is your, is, you know, your home and your showpiece, I I don't advocate. You're like, Hey, don't get the cheapest thing that you can find. Um, Be happy and comfortable. And some things are worth the splurge, particularly some appliances, you know, that'll last a long time and and you do get what you pay for. But yeah, I, I think a really big way to save money is to um, is to do scratch and dent appliances. And another thing too is that if you are renovating and you've got a contractor, they should be able to tell you specifically how many square feet of whatever material you need. So the first thing that I'll do is if I go to say like floor and decor, if we're doing a renovation project, I will have my measurements that I know that I need. And then I don't have to have 27 pallets of something in the back. If I have just enough for an accent tile that's, you know, maybe more expensive than I want to pay per square foot but they've got just enough of it. Well, then great. I'll go for that and then move along to, you know, more moderately or or low end prices for just like run of the mill stuff.
0: One of the things I forgot when you were, when we were doing the show, when I was going through looking for a clip to do for this, um, you had talked about doing tile work and you had actually picked a bigger tile versus the smaller tile, because even though the bigger tile was a little more expensive, you had factored in the fact that the labor to install the bigger tiles was going to be much cheaper than the little tiles and so that was the reason that you made that that decision on that right
1: yeah absolutely so like if you get a a good like 12 by 18 18 inch tile and you can do the majority of your shower walls with it um it's got to a twofold benefit yeah i mean the price per square foot might be a little bit more um on there depending on what tile you pick it might not be i mean the more intricate it seems might be more expensive um but the the labor and the installation is going to be far faster, far less, more efficient. And then also too, when you're talking about cleaning and those grout lines, I mean, honestly, the more intricate a tile, like, you know, people say, or one thing that used to be really popular with those glass mosaic backsplashes, you know, the teeny tiny little narrow tiles everywhere, man, what a mess that is to clean anywhere because you've got s- grout lines and everything like that. So yeah, um, that that is, think about labor, think about um you know cost of installation when you're picking your materials that'll that'll save some money occasionally
0: so when you design a room um you you alluded to this a little bit earlier but when you're looking at putting a room together whether it be a living room or a bedroom or anything like that um and you've you know we've had a few friends that you've helped kind of des- put together their vrbos um done some you know work in redesigning bathrooms and things like that so how do you, you'd said, you know, you pick that one thing that is your thing and then you kind of build around it. So explain kind of how that works a little bit.
1: Well, I think that unpopular, well, first of all, let me just tell you something that really aggravates me. Okay. I think that it's unrealistic for people to redecorate their house every three years or three three or two years as designs change. Right. And you'll see a lot, particularly on social media with TikTok, you know, these luxury design design firms come out and they're like, oh, five things that that are out that I wouldn't do. Well, okay. First of all, if you did design your home to be in the current trend, you have to know that that is eventually gonna fade out. Right. And usually, honestly, by the time it hits the mainstream, it's really kind of hitting its expiration date anyway. And so, you know, ship lap or barn doors or whatever, if you're still installing that, 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 that happened, you know, five or six or eight years ago. And now, you know, it's, it's dating your design. Um, but one thing I do have to say is that if you love a barn door or if you love shiplap or you love whatever, it's your house and people want to design for other people. And then they're ultimately not happy and comfortable with. The way that it turns out so my number one piece of advice is to pick something that you really love so whether that is an expensive or intricate um, you know decorative tile for a bathroom or a backsplash or, or whatever that is or an expensive appliance you know a, a bold color choice appliance or something like that and then build around that um you know i would find something that you personally love and then it'll always be timeless to you yeah so who cares what what's his name in New York city says about your subway tile. Apparently subway tiles out now. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, like you did it with the lake house and Whitney. Um, It has a really big, a big great room where there's a lot of uh, space in there. And I remember when we were kind of trying to figure out how we were going to set it up. The very first thing that we went to go look for was a table. You were looking for a big table that would fit in that room. And then everything else was going to kind of go around that. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, functionality first. One thing that I think that, um, that I see a lot when people make mistakes when they're decorating is scale and size and functionality, right? So you have to keep in mind what the purpose, purpose of what you're doing is. And so for us and that big space, we need a big furniture, right? And that's not cheap. The bigger, the bigger, the more expensive. So I had to find a way to, what I did was we had a custom table made through a um, a builder there that came. It was so big that they had to actually bring it in and, and put it together in the house. Yeah. So it's kind of a permanent fixture. And then I went on Marketplace and bought 16 eclectic chairs that were my particular style and that offset the cost of having to have the the table custom made or whatever and have it have an expensive set was Yeah. yeah so i saved money on the chairs put more money into the table and that really set the tone and the space and the separation and and the dimensions for how we wanted the room to flow
0: yeah Well, I I do think, you know, it's been uh, I'm glad because I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because I'm terrible at those things. So, you know, with the houses that we've done over the years, you've always, you know, taken the reins on that piece. And even though, um, you know, you, uh, we're always going to spend money on that kind of stuff, but it's always a conscious thing for you. And for that, I really, really appreciate it because at least, you know, we know going into it that we're going to have to spend money, but you do a better job of spending the money wisely, which I'm terrible about because if I just need something, I just go get it and pay for it. And I don't think about how much it costs. And, uh, you know, just like returning stuff. If I had to, if I bought a pair of jeans and I don't like them, they'll sit in my closet for six months and you eventually return those things. But, you know, you, you tend to find whether it's, you know you're finding deals or whether you're you know taking stuff back and going through the entire pain in the butt process of returning things and going through all that um you know it, it it's something that you know you can find money in places and you can save money in places but you have to put thought into and it does take a little bit of time it's not something that just you know happens overnight right
1: yeah well and I'm, I'm to your point i'm not going to leave money laying around so if we've over purchased in materials like floor and decor is wonderful in terms of taking back you know extra material. Now, if you do do a renovation, you are going to need extra for specific cuts, especially if you like want a specific pattern. For example, we have a very basic tile in our kitchen floor, but it was laid in a herringbone pattern that that creates a lot of waste because of the specific cuts of the tile. So, you know, you do have to account for things like that. And if a tile gets broken, you need to have some backstock if there, you know, is an issue or you need to replace a small amount. But don't, I mean, you know, there's no reason to let you know, a hundred or 200 or $500 in in spare tile lay around in your garage.
0: So, um, we're at just over an hour and, uh, we've been, we've been going at it here. So I, um, we're going to be wrapping this thing up, but I do want to let you, is there anything, if you're talking to new buyers or new sellers or anybody in this market right now that, you know, you would suggest or any, any kind of parting thoughts you want to leave us with on, uh, on what to do on your house or what you're looking for in homes or anything related to what you want to talk about?
1: man it, it's kind of tough. I think that the one thing that I tend to talk about the most is that you've got to keep an open mind when you're shopping for a house because a lot of times homeowners will have the house set set up for the way that they live and although it could be a very functional floor plan for your family or you know a great location school wise or whatever you're looking for um, just don't be bound by the way that that particular homeowner utilizes the space because if you don't need a formal Dining room. I, listen, I have these clients, wonderful people have a gorgeous home uh, going through, kind of touring it to get it set up to list. And they have a very large breakfast room and they have a very substantial table and they have a big family. They do not need the formal dining room that they have in their home. And they have it set up with like four club chairs and a little, little. Table and all of their, you know, wine decor and fancy wine glasses and their their wine cooler, and that's a wonderful use for for space. So, you know, I would say that use, think about using a home in the way that you want to utilize it, and don't be bound by the way that the previous homeowner has it set up. Just try to envision the 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 space as a blank slate. And in in you know that same thought, when you're selling your house make it a blank slate. Don't over clutter and, you know, try to have it because what you're using that house for may not be what another buyer might want. So minimize, minimize, minimize when you're listing the house.
0: Well, I think that's great. That's a great way to end it. So, um, well, thank you for everybody that stuck around with us to the end. Um, this was a lot of fun. It's um, a
1: little I, walk down memory lane. That's I thought right. about some stuff I thought about in a while.
0: <laughs> I appreciate you coming in, babe. Um, we are going to go do your favorite thing after this. Eat lunch. Eat lunch. Um, not what anybody else was thinking there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, we're going to go eat, and uh, which is uh, her favorite pastime aside from selling real estate and shopping. So that's probably number one, actually. But we're going to go do that, but I really appreciate you coming in and uh, spending some time with me today because we don't get to do this very often. And I'm sure maybe we'll come back around for episode 80 and we'll have you back again. Okay, dear.
1: Sounds great. Love all right. you. I
0: love you too. All right. We'll see all you guys and uh, we'll be back next week. Bye.